Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. we think of our in, like our enemies as people. I mean, sometimes we think of that. Um, and, and it says in the Bible, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? So, you're, so people are not your enemies, right? And every time I sing that, it's always like I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies and I switch out enemies with in the presence of fear and in the presence of worry in the presence of burden, in the presence of depression, in the presence of conflict, in the presence of chaos. Those are your enemies, right? And they've already been taken care of by Jesus at the cross. And so every time I think of that, you know, we hear people say, Jesus, move. And he says, I did that. I did that. And so now our job is to raise a hallelujah in the midst of doubt, in the midst of uncertainty, to keep raising that hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, all right. I um, say this all the time when I get up here. Are y'all doing good? It's, I don't say that, but maybe I do. Y'all having a good day? All right, I'm Jerry Ann. Um, I head up outreach here. I think I, I should introduce myself. It's a protocol. And uh, tonight is going to be a little crazy. <laughs> okay, so we're ready? Okay, don't put that in the recording. Um. <laughs> Every time I get up here, uh, I say this, that God is raising up sons and daughters of God who know that they are sons and daughters of God, not sinners saved by grace, not a church body just trying to make it to heaven, but people who know that they are seated with him in heavenly places, people that know that they are co-heirs, right? People who, when you look at them, you start to understand what God was dreaming about in the first place, right? You start to see God's original intent in the first place. And I was back in kids Sunday morning with Elizabeth, and Amelia was in class, and I was totally blown away by something she said. I've been thinking about it all week, and I asked her permission to share it. But she looked down at her daughter, Amelia, who is what, three, two. She looked at Amelia, and she said, Amelia, who do you look like? And Amelia goes, God. And then she said, Amelia, who do you act like? And Amelia goes, God. And I love that because she's taking her back to God's original intent, Genesis 126. We're made in his image and likeness to represent him, to function like him, to manifest the Father in all that we say and do, right? And so every single time she asks her that question, even at two years old, she's going to remember that when she's 20. She's going to remember it when she's 40. She's going to remember that God has a purpose and a plan and potential and promises for me. And so isn't that beautiful? I just love love how she she did that she showcased that that Jesus came as a model for how we can all live and I was reading Colossians 120 today and I just wrote that down to read to you because it says and by and this is the passion translation I think everything that I'm reading is going to be from that and it says and by the blood of his cross everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself back to its original intent restored to innocence. And then again in Colossians 2, 9, this is the passion, but it says, and our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God. 
We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. The gospel is way better than you think. Um, and that's a, that's a word for somebody tonight. It is way better than you've been taught. It's way better than you think it is. And so tonight is just really what I wanted to do is just a checkup. Sometimes in the body of Christ, we just kind of need tune-ups and checkups. Hey, where's my heart? Where's my mind? Where, where am I? What am I doing? And one of the best checkup verses for me is found in John 14, 30. And I'm reading the Passion Translation, but it should be the same sort of. So Jesus is speaking, and he's talking to his disciples in this verse, and he is saying, I won't speak with you much longer, for the ruler of this dark world is coming, but he has no power over me, for he has nothing to use against me. Other translations read, he has no claim on me. He has no claim on me. So when Jesus says the enemy has no claim on me, that is our promise and our portion, right? But we have to learn how to steward that and how to walk in that. So if we are in Christ, the enemy has no claim on us. Y'all with me? If we are in Christ, the enemy has no claim on us. Except if we give him permission. So on the cross, and we do, uh, Pastor Mark does a great job of, of talking about that here. On the cross, what happened was Jesus disarmed the enemy, right? He stripped the enemy of his authority. Yes, everybody, we re yes, we remember this. So the devil doesn't have authority. He does have power, right? So authority is the permission to act. Power is the ability to act. He doesn't have authority. He does have power. So he doesn't have permission to act, but he still has the ability to act. And if we give him permission by our agreement or by us partnering with him, then he has permission. So tonight, this is really not about salvation. This is about stewarding what God has already given us, which is the enemy has no claim on you. He has no authority over us. He has no authority over our families unless we give him permission. So God, tonight, I just ask that you speak to our hearts in a way that only you can. We know that information won't change us, but encounter will. And so Holy Spirit, you speak to each heart. Uh, thank you, Father, for transformation. You're the God of transformation. And so we just hand you, um, hand you our hearts and our minds. And I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight I want to talk about three areas that if we're not careful, we'll end up in territory we just don't want to be in, okay? And so the first one, so is uh, unforgiveness. You can write that down. And before we roll our eyes, because sometimes we hear that all the time in church, right? I mean, we, we hear about unforgiveness, and it's almost like, ugh. So, so pause for a minute, because I want to break that down and, and talk about it a little bit. Jesus teaches us to forgive, right? He tells us to forgive in Matthew 18, the servants, two servants, a master, right? One forgives a greater debt. We all know that. Uh, we recognize that we've been forgiven a lot because Jesus forgave us of a lot, a far greater debt that we can't even begin to understand. Yes, everybody with me, that's why we forgive. But we also forgive for our freedom. If you've forgiven, 
someone else, you already know how that feels, how that impacts you, how that frees you, right? Unforgiveness is a form of legalism, okay? So when we withhold from someone, we are saying we want you to get the justice that you deserve for your cruelty, yeah, because that's what we're saying, right? We're really saying is we want you to, to live in the law. You get exactly what you deserve for every single action that you do. The law has no mercy in it. The realm of the law is where you get repaid for every single thing that you've ever done. Every single thing that you've fallen short of, which is punishment and death. Oftentimes we parent from this realm. The problem is that you can't insist someone else live in the law without yourself living in the law. It doesn't work. And this is where Jesus comes in because he says, hey, there's a higher realm, right? He gives us the ability to live in the realm of grace. So, hey, higher realm, better realm. You're given mercy, all right, 1 Colossians 2, 14, 15, Passion Translation again. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. And the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us, he erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Two different realms. We cannot live in the realm of grace towards ourselves and live in the realm of law towards others. Yes, everybody with me? Yes, okay. And he's saying if you want to live in a realm that's free, you've got to live in the realm of unforgiveness, right? You have got to forgive. You can, you can still live in the realm of the law and be a Christian. You will not be a happy Christian you may not be an effective Christian. But here's what I want you to know today. The realm of the law is the place where the enemy loves. Because it is a place of accusation. And anytime you accuse anyone, you partner with the accuser. And he lies to us and he makes us feel like we're in control. Un unforgiveness can make you feel powerful. But it's actually, it's a place where you submit yourself to the enemy's power. And oftentimes this is done unknowingly. Sometimes it's done on purpose. This is a good Wednesday night message. <laughs> I'm going to spit on my drum. <laughs> Woo, okay. So with that, so, so with that, let's let go of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is not about saying that thing that happened wasn't terrible. Okay, so I need you to know that. It's not about belittling the thing done against you. It is about looking that thing square in the face, acknowledging the pain of it, but then saying, I am going to choose to set myself free. And I'm going to put myself in the realm of grace. I don't want to live in a realm where I'm easily accused. I want to live in a realm where the enemy just simply doesn't understand, right? Where the enemy is just paralyzed to move because he doesn't know what to do in the realm of grace, right? Where he can throw anything at you and say you're no good and you're not enough and nobody likes you and um, you're not good enough, you're awful and you're terrible. And those accusations are almost laughable. Because you live in a higher realm. 
And when we let go of those things, the truth has the freedom to do what the truth is meant to do, what the truth is purposed to do. And so tonight, so tonight we're just going to go through, kind of walk through this. I'm going to show you how. Holy Spirit, is there any, anything wrong with my lens? Because we, we often question what we see. We rarely question how we see it, right? So I want us to just ask. I want the Holy Spirit to just reveal. He always does. He's so kind and so gracious in changing our lives. And so we're just going to ask, Holy Spirit, is there anything, uh, anything you want to reveal so that I can just deal with it and let it go so I can live in freedom? And so then we say today, Jesus, I choose to set myself free because I will live in freedom. Jesus, I choose to set that person free because I will live in freedom. All right, two warning signs. You may be living in unforgiveness. There's tons of accusation in your head. And there seems to be a constant blockage to breakthrough where you can't seem to enter into breakthrough. Kingdom breakthrough exists in the realm of grace, right? So those two things, every single one of us has to work through unforgiveness. It's just called being human. It happens, you know. My sister is one of my best friends, but I have to forgive her all the time. Uh, Matt is an amazing husband, but I have to forgive him all the time. Why? Because I choose to set myself free. Because I will not live in the realm of the law, right? And so tonight, we're going to ask you, this may be a little weird, I don't I don't know, it's kind of quiet, but just go with it, okay? Um, And so, and if you need to get off, although you're spread out, so that's fine. I was one of those students that had to get, like, to take a test that had to get in the corner because even if someone, like, went like that, it would distract me. (laughs) So I know you couldn't believe that. So, um, So if you need to get away from people, that's fine. But I just want you to, if you would like, to close your eyes or to just think and just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, bring to mind Bring to my mind any person that I need to forgive. And the Holy Spirit often gives you a picture. He'll give you a, a, even a word. And when that happens, I want you to be specific for what you are forgiving them for. So general forgiveness means we don't engage in it fully. So at our home, Garrison has to say, um, so it, my son, if he hits his sister in the face, he will say, uh, J.L., I am sorry for hitting you in the face. Will you forgive me for hitting you in the face? And then, maybe I should have used something else. But And then, JL will say, yes, I forgive you for hitting me in the face. Do you see how that is specific? It's intentional. It bypasses that, I forgive you kind of thing that we do, that adults do, right? So we want to be specific tonight. We want to engage in it. I forget, Jesus, I choose to forgive this person for doing this to me that made me feel this way. The last part is important because it makes us engage with how we felt. And then I want you to say, Jesus, I set them free. And I set myself free to live in the realm of grace. And then tonight also, so I know it's quiet, but we're just going to go through this together. Tonight, I think there's, there are some of us that have to forgive ourselves and choose to set ourselves free. To set yourself free. I will no longer live in regret. The promises of God, they can't fail over your life because they are his promises. He is that good. He can redeem all 
things, that's who he is. It says he even redeems the years that the locust worm ate. It goes on, he redeems years. He is that good. So some of us tonight just need to say, hey, I forgive myself. I choose to set myself free. God, just give us the courage to just set ourselves free. So many times I think the Holy Spirit prompts us and we're like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And so tonight I know I'm asking you to do a weird, hard thing, but let's just... Let's just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I choose to set myself free. And then some of us need to just forgive God. Now, that doesn't mean that God's done anything wrong because he's good. But we hold offense at maybe something that didn't happen or the breakthrough that we just haven't seen or people that we've lost. Right? And so I had a friend that was trying to have a baby, and she said something, you know, I know God will give me a baby when I read my Bible and I do this. And I had stopped her, and I said, no, 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 God is not a God who withholds. In fact, it says no good thing will he uphold from those who walk uprightly. And so some of us need to forgive God and just say, God, I acknowledge you weren't in the wrong because you're good. But, Lord, it made me feel this way. And so I set myself free, and I release that. I release that to you. It's what I call the explosive power of a loving God, the transforming power of a loving God. Amen. Everybody with me? All right, so I'm going to ask you to do something else that's just weird, uh, but go with it because it's me. (laughs) If you've prayed that or if you saw that picture, what I want to do now is because I believe in the power of community, I want you to stand to your feet. So if you have prayed that, I want you to go ahead and stand. And then this is what we're going to do. Come on, I know a lot of us need to stand, so I'll wait. All right, I know a few more of us need to stand, so I'll wait. And so what I want us to do is I want you to find somebody, if you're sitting down, I want you to find somebody who's standing, and I want you to put your arm, put your hand on them, all right? And I want you to pray blessing, and if you're not around somebody, if you, y'all just lock arms. And I want you to find somebody, so stand up, let's go. I want you to pray blessing over them out loud. So I want you to pray blessing that the grace of God would just rush in to their life where maybe there hasn't been breakthrough, where there's been unforgiveness. Today we say it is no more, right? Where there has been accusation and where there hasn't been breakthrough. Right now we speak. So go ahead and pray, and I'd like you to pray loud. So I'd like to hear, uh, yes, let's go, amen. Still louder. Let's just pray for them, the grace of God to just rush in. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you, God. We live in the realm of grace. We choose to set ourselves free in Jesus' name. God, I bless every person who stands today. We draw a line and we say we will live in freedom. We will live in grace. And the whole world will see it and the whole world will know it. Because I choose to set myself free. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. It could be a little louder, but that's okay. All right, we got two more, two more things. All right, we'll wait. The next thing is judgment. Judgment 
inner vows. I know this is, you know, y'all didn't come to church to hear this on a Wednesday night. <laughs> okay. Ah. All right. So there are some spiritual laws I'm going through. So I know this is a bit kind of heady. Would that be the word? But uh, spiritual law. So there's a spiritual law of judgment. Okay. It's found in Romans 2, 1, Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Let me read Romans 2, 1. It says, no matter who you are, before you judge the wickedness of others, you would better remember this. You are also without excuse, for you too are guilty of the same kind of things. When you judge others and then do the same things they do, you condemn yourself. Another translation says, because of this, O human, the Spirit is not speaking through you as you judge another. For against what you judge, you will also revert. And then Matthew 7, 1 and 2, refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others, and judgment will not be passed on you. For you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. It says you become like what you judge. If we sow judgment, we will reap judgment. The law of sowing and reaping is found in Galatians 6, 7. And it says, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. It goes on to say in verse 8, the harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. Now, in Deuteronomy 5, 16, we find another law. And that is the law of blessing and honor. And it says, honor your father and mother as the Lord God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which your Lord God has given you. And then at the end of Romans 12, it extends that to really honoring everyone. So we're not going to read that, but write down Romans 12 and starting in verse 14. Because, you know, I've said this before, anybody can see the bad. It doesn't take any wisdom to say they're a mess. They're an idiot. It's a mess. Right? But someone who understands honor is going to look at that person or that situation and they're going to be able to speak the very heart of God. You will not be able to speak the heart of God in judgment. Honor is the exact opposite of judgment and it is life-giving. Honor looks for the good and it lifts it up. Matt and I in our home, we're very particular. We're trying to be of, of creating a culture of honor. And so the other day, you know, we just, we don't call names. It's not something that they ever hear us do. And we were in the truck and we were driving and the kids were just talking in the back. And Matt had said something. We were talking about financial uh, loans or something like that. And he said it, that would be a stupid thing to do. And it got so quiet in the back. And then JL said, who did you call stupid? <laughs> Because it caught her so off guard that daddy would use that word. I mean, she was. The whole car went silent. And then Matt had to explain, no, 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 I'm so sorry. Uh, daddy was talking about math. And it would have been stupid. It wasn't a good word to use. But she was not used to that word, right? And so it just kind of jarred her. Judgment is the opposite of honor. It looks for the bad, right? If we live in judgment against people... We're going to walk in that same thing. And you see that so clearly with cycles and patterns and families from generation to generation. Sometimes in session, I will sit down with somebody and I'll draw out the pattern for them to see. If we live in that cycle of judgment, we will live in it. We will repeat it. We will live in it. We will repeat it. And so from judgment comes two things that I want to mention 
called inner vows and bitter expectations. All right. This comes from a teaching done by Katia Adams, and she explains inner vows as rooted in pride, saying, like, me and my strength will never do that. Okay? Bitter expectations is a a person who judges, then sees the world through that lens, and then expects the same behavior from everyone and everything around them. So when I was teaching, like, high school, um, and you'd go into the break room, and all the teachers would be gathered there, and you'd have some teachers that were like, ugh. That 12th grade class just never going to amount to anything. Those are some bitter expectations, right? They're seeing the class through that lens. Same thing in a break room. You've got a lot of women there. Somebody says something and someone goes, ugh, men. Right? That's a bitter expectation. Yes, everybody kind of see what, yes, see how that works. And so we're not even realizing that. We're looking through the world through that lens. That root takes hold whether you want it to or not, because you just start seeing the world that way. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to repent. We're going to break agreement with that judgment, and the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. We're going to break the partnership with what the enemy has lied about or sown into your heart. It's much easier to say it's the enemy's fault, right? I grew up in a church culture that said that devil's attacking me. He's so bad. Uh, the devil's lying. He's attacking me. He's, uh, we just like to blame it on the enemy, right? Well, the enemy lied. But I said yes. And so today we've got to break agreement. And that is done by simply saying, Lord, I repent, which just means change your thinking, right? Just change your thinking. Lord, I repent for this judgment. And when you start to repent of looking through this lens of judgment and bitter expectations, you'll you'll see what I just love to call recently the explosive power of a loving God. The explosive freedom of a loving God. So same thing as before. If you'd like, you can close your eyes. And what I want us to do is just say, Holy Spirit, reveal any judgment or inner vow or bitter expectation we have. And what we want to do is, I can't do this for you. It will be work on your part. But you have to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, lead me. Show me. Show me those areas where I've judged other people. And then what we're going to do is we're going to simply release that person from judgment. So come Holy Spirit. And we just invite the grace of God to rush in. Where there has been judgment. Where there's been bitter roots of judgment. And instead that you would just rush in with your life and with your grace. Because tonight, while this may be a tune-up or a check-up, I choose to set myself free. Of things maybe that I didn't even realize I was carrying. So Holy Spirit, thank you for revealing what needs to be revealed. And again, if you've prayed this prayer, I want you to stand up, and we're going to pray a power of community. So go ahead and stand up. I'll give you time. And I want you to find those people that are standing. If you're sitting down, okay, some people, some more people need to stand. And I want you to stand up if you're sitting, and I want you to find those people. I want you to stand up if you're seated, and I want you to find somebody that's standing. 
and I want you to gather around them. Now you don't know who's standing. Sorry. And I want you. Amen. I want you to pray for them out loud. Out loud. That the grace of God would just rush in. Where there are judgments, there are judgments no more. Right? So let's all pray together. Holy Spirit, thank you for revelation. Thank you, God, for revealing truth. Jesus, you are the truth. So right now we come before you and we just ask for every person that stood that the grace of God would just rush in. Rush in. Hallelujah. That your truth would just rush in where there's been judgment, where there's been accusation. We say no more. And I want you to pray louder. I want your voices to pray louder. I want your voices to pray louder in Jesus' name. And I want you to pronounce freedom over one another. Freedom. This is a moment to say, yes, yes, I will live in the realm of grace. I live in freedom. And you break the cycle of these things that we have, what we have judged, it will not come back on us. So cycles are broken now in the name of Jesus not to come back in our lives. Cycles are broken now in the name of Jesus not to come back in our families. Not to come back in generation. It ends in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm really going to need the prayer to get louder. Elizabeth, you're kind of... <laughs> okay, wait, we got one more. Y'all ready for this? We've got 15 minutes, so I'm going to have, have you out early. Yes, we ready? Are you ready for the next one? All right, 100 bucks for who can guess it. Elizabeth, you got 100 bucks. Okay. <laughs> No, okay, all right, last one, thank you. Um, strongholds. So I grew up in church hearing about strongholds, and they you just hear that they are just this really, um, really tough thing that you have to get deliverance from or counseling or praying over or all of these things, right? Have you heard kind of? So tonight I want to just talk to you about strongholds and what they are, are simply patterns and habits of thinking that often we don't even recognize, like a car stuck in the mud. And the ruts and the tracks, they get deeper and deeper, right? So you're trying to go. Have you ever been stuck? And you're trying to go, and the ruts, they just get deeper and deeper. That's, that's what a stronghold is like. It's a pattern of thinking that gets reinforced again and again and again so that those tracks are getting deeper and deeper ingrained in us so that it becomes our natural habit of thinking. It's just the natural way we see the world. In reality, it becomes a lens that we look at everything through. The Bible teaches us strongholds are where the enemy likes to sink his hooks. And so a lot of times, we, it, sometimes it feels like such a strong thing. But I want to say, and I heard someone say this one time, when we are praying for deliverance, let's not make it a bigger thing than it is. Because simply what we're doing is we're unhooking the enemy's hooks from a stronghold. And the best way to do that is through a truth encounter 
when the stronghold comes tumbling down, crumbling down, and is seen for the lie that it is. Which is why the truth sets us free. When we encounter Jesus, who is the truth, strongholds, they just simply crumble, right? And so I, I heard someone say it was a brick. It, it's like we think of it as a brick cement castle. Then you realize that castle was made out of cardboard. So strongholds are not something for us to be fearful about, to be really worried about or scared. But it is something for us to take authority over and walk in freedom. 2 Corinthians 10, I know you've heard that before. I will read it fast. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. So in 2 Corinthians 10, it tells us you already have everything you need to destroy any stronghold for you or anybody else. We are already equipped with armor. It's simply done when we engage with what Jesus has already given us. We don't have to live with these habits of thinking because Jesus can walk with us into freedom. So demolishing strongholds happens in two ways. First, there's an encounter, there's a moment a powerful moment, an initial breaking, right? The second way is that there's the process of stewarding a new habit and learning to walk in the truth of that. So I want to walk through both of those things, some common themes and strongholds for you tonight. If you're taking notes, i got six things. This seems to be what comes up in most people. All right, you ready? Rejection, number one. I know, I'm hitting you hard on a Wednesday night. Oh, (laughs) number one, rejection. Number two, abandonment. Number three, unworthiness. Number four, fear. Number five, shame. And number six, control. Everybody got those? Need me to repeat them? Okay, number one, rejection. Two, abandonment. Three, unworthiness. Are you getting anything tonight? Amen. Four, fear. Five, shame. And six, control. And we need to recognize that a stronghold is formed by two things, right? Number one, the enemy lies. Number two, we agree. When I was a little girl, I grew up hearing that my daddy always wanted boys. We teased him about this. Of course, he would want boys because he's a manly man, and he plays football. And God is so gracious. He gave him two grand boys that are just very rough and tough, right? Uh, So he has that now. But when Megan and I grew up, we grew up around hearing dad really wanted a boy. So much so that my grandpa said that at one point they thought about changing doctors because all they were getting was girls, Uh, which is funny, right? Okay. So I, um, so I grew up hearing that and, um, they didn't mean that. I grew, I use this example because I grew up in it in a family that loved God 
and a Christian home. But I grew up hearing that my dad always wanted a boy, and I was not a boy, so the enemy lied and said, they do not want you. And I, th- I said, I said they, I, they don't. They don't want me. I'm, I'm not wanted. I'm not enough. And then the enemy said, yes, that's right. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not wanted. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. And then what I did is I carried that in every relationship I went into in the future trying to prove because often the case, rejection partners with unworthiness, then partners shame, and then comes fear, and then comes control. And so all of a sudden, all of these things, all of these strongholds are being formed. Yes, we see that. Matt, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and he said uh, when he was in middle school, all the girls were saying, oh, I I, um, like this boy, and I like that boy. And he remembers thinking, um, well, what about him? And some little girl said, oh, no, not him. He's too short. And Matt said, well, I'm, I'm shorter than him. They, maybe they won't like me because I'm short. Does anybody like me? Am I lovable? I'm not lovable. And the enemy said, yes, that's right. You're not lovable. Nobody is going to want you. And then years later, when he went through his divorce, a terrible divorce, the enemy said again, nobody wants you. That's right. That's right. Nobody loves you. Nobody's going to love you. Right? Those things come together, and when they come together in agreement, it forms over time, and we repeatedly agree with the lie of the enemy. And until you meet Jesus, not just to go to heaven, but until you know that God loves you, and he's always speaking and wants to speak to us and is in a good mood, Jesus started speaking to me and to Matt and saying, these are lies, These are lies. I've created a wonderful life for you. I have so much promise for you. I have a wonderful future for you. I love you. And slowly, brick by brick, the cardboard fortress, it comes tumbling down as Jesus breathes grace into where the enemy and me by agreement had built strongholds. And for some of us tonight, we just need to unlearn that way of thinking. And we need to get some friends to help us start moving that car out of the rut, right? Walking in freedom. So strongholds often overlink. So first comes rejection. Then comes unworthiness. So now my entire lens of the world comes through this place of rejection and unworthiness. And then on top of that comes fear. And that lie, it takes hold. So any scenario where something went wrong, the enemy would jump on and he would say, yes, yes, you were made faulty. You are not enough. And the Holy Spirit is so kind in turning on the light for us. And so Matt and I had to learn, we had to learn how to steward how we saw ourselves and how we spoke about ourselves. Because unworthiness will make you think and talk and say terrible things about yourself. You keep agreeing with that thing over and over again. And sometimes you're not even aware of it. And it's so not allowed in our house. I remember, and we laugh about this now, 
but and most of you have seen this picture, but a week before school started, we were having a wonderful family dinner, and things were just lovely, and the kids asked to go outside to play, and so Matt and I were just had our feet kicked back, and we were just, um, we were just joking and laughing, and the kids run in, and they are like straight out sobbing, and JL says, I cut Garrison's hair, and so I uh, brought a picture to show you, and so all of a sudden, we look at the hair. So they had secretly snuck and got Matt's hair cutting kit, and they took a no guard, and they ran it through. At least they started with him and not her. Andre, you got that picture? No. So, so then Matt says to Garrison, hey, buddy, we're going to have to cut your hair off and he's heard we're gonna have to cut your head off so he runs and screams as as crazy and so it's so traumatic and so JL thinking that we have to cut his head off flops down on the floor screaming and sobbing it can't get any more traumatic you can show the next picture because we uh, saw we solved the problem so yeah okay you can take it down so JL was so upset. Most of you hadn't heard that, this part, that she looks at me, and so Matt takes Garrison outside to assure him that we would never at any time in our lives cut off your head and that we do need to fix your hair, although we should have left it. We didn't think it through. And um, JL was sobbing, like heaving, and she looked at me and she said, Mommy, I hate myself. And I wanted to, to punish her. Because I was punished. And she said a lot of other ugly things. And I could see that unworthiness start. And so I said, JL, is that a lie or is it the truth? And she goes, it's a lie. It's a lie. And so I said, okay, what are we going to do with it? And she said, we're going to bind it. We're going to uproot it. And that's what we did. And so I just held her while, while she just sobbed. And I said, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to say, this is a lie. And I will not partner with this lie. I love myself. And mommy makes mistakes. And daddy makes mistakes. And I too today have made a mistake. But I love myself and God made me. And I will not choose to partner with the lie that the enemy is telling me. Shame often partners with control because you want to control how people see you because you're so ashamed of who you are. Jesus can unravel all of those things and it's so good to be free of those things. It's so possible to be free of those things. So right now, if you haven't, I want you to write down those six things because we're going to do some work on those things. We've got four minutes. Rejection is more of an active thing. Abandonment feels more like a passive thing, like with parents who were there, but they weren't really there. That would be more abandonment. So I want us to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, can you simply highlight if any of these things are having a role in my thinking? If any of these have become strongholds, Holy Spirit, you can easily take them down. That's what you're doing already for so many tonight. Because we are breaking agreement. 
And so right now, we repent of our agreement. And so also, we're not abandoning responsibility when we do this. We agreed with those lies, and so often in our church circles, we say, oh, we're being attacked. The enemy is so terrible. It's all his fault. But he is a liar, yes, but we bring agreement. And so in this moment, what I want us to do is I want us to repent of our partnership and believe in the lies and maybe even reinforcing those lies ourselves. Holy Spirit, show us if any of these strongholds have taken root. And then I want you to ask the Holy Spirit on your own where it came from. All right, so I'm going to give you a minute just to do that. We want to identify strongholds, but we also want to identify their origins. We want to go back to that place and we want to see what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was saying. And so, Jesus, what we're going to do is we're going to repent for believing the lie and ask the Holy Spirit to show you the truth instead. So for me, very simply, the Holy Spirit showed me rejection. He showed me the truth of that when I was very young. When I believed I wasn't somehow good enough because I was a girl. Which is all a huge lie and so silly to think about because now I am a woman. I am a woman preacher. I am strong and loud and strength is an attribute of God. It's who I am and I know who I am. But that was the origin. And then God showed me that the lie was that I could not be an influence for the kingdom of God. That I would somehow be restrained. And the enemy tried to take me out and God in his kindness restored me. So we repent of the lie. And then we start agreeing with the truth. And that may look like every morning stewarding that, stewarding that breaking of that partnership and then agreeing with the truth may look like waking up every morning and saying, Dear Jesus, I am free. I am free. I am strong. I am, for me, a woman. I know who I am. I am enough. I will always be enough. And so you break the agreement and then you steward that by speaking life over yourself out loud because there is power in our words. So you change the ruts of those tires and you change that mindset. So right now, Holy Spirit, you put a finger on any strongholds that have taken root in our lives, in our lives. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.